process that we go forward from here. And then, I guess, Casey. A pastor once told the story about a college group that he had in his church. He was having a business meeting and he said, uh, you know, we're getting ready to plan our all youth program day and we'd like for the college students to lead the program that day, play the music, read the scripture, uh, pray over the congregation. And at that time, a young uh, team of leaders in the college ministry stood up and said, Pastor, thank you, but that's not what we want to do. We want to do more. We're tired of you asking us to do little things. Here's what we've been thinking. We've got together and some of us want to go out on Sunday afternoon and do a mission downtown in the inner city. Not only that, we want to go and visit some of those elders who are sick and at home and carry the gospel to them as well. And that basement project that you and the trustees have been working on, we want to finish that so we can make that a classroom for us as we do our college ministry. And at that time, the young college pastor smiled to himself. You see, he had challenged that cohort of students to do more for God while they had the time and the ability to do it. And that's what Apostle Paul is doing in that text I read to you earlier today in Philippians chapter 2. Paul is challenging the church of Philippi. And he's challenging them to change their mentalities. He's challenging them to think differently about what they have and the time they have to live for God in a fallen world. Philippi was a lot like our world. They had problems, they had challenges, they had issues, but yet they were called to live for God in a fallen world at a strategic time. And that's my devotional thought this morning. I want to hang my hat there and I want to challenge you freshmen as you come in to this fresh class to have the mind of Christ. I believe there are three things in that devotional we can look at. So let's hang our hat on this. Let's examine today the secret and the sacrifice of service. Hear the word of the Lord. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. Paul, in just those two verses, is charging the church to do something in this verse. He's calling them to change from the way they were into a new form. You see, I believe he wants them to change their thinking their perspectives. He wants them to change their mind. A nurse friend was talking to me about this text. She says, chap, I believe he's also talking about the attitude of their thinking. Yes, that's what he wants. To them to change the attitude in their thinking. Do you know what can happen to this world if this freshman class changes their thoughts? If this freshman class changes their actions, changes their desires, their decisions, their living, their giving, their service, their obedience, you can turn the world upside down. I'm looking for a witness right there. 
the Bible goes on to say that being in the form of God, Jesus did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. In this second verse, I believe God is showing us what the mind of Christ was like. And guess what? That's what we're going to challenge you about in chapel this year. That's what we're going to challenge you with in your coursework, in the co-curricular activities. We're going to challenge you to change your mind. We're going to stretch your mind. We're going to challenge you with how you think about sacrificial involvement, serving others more than serving yourself. The story is told about the great William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, an American evangelist. Wilbur Chapman went to interview the old general in some of the last days of his life, and he was inquiring about what was the secret to the success of the Salvation Army. The general, after some moments of quiet, began to cry. An evangelist said he saw the tears streaming down, and he asked him why was he crying. The general said this. He says, there have always been men with greater brains than me, men with greater opportunities than me. But the day that God put the poor of London on my heart and a vision for what Christ could do with the poor of London, I made up in my mind that God would have all there was to little bitty General Booth. And the evangelist walked away from that meeting saying this, he said that I've learned from that conversation that the greatness of a servant's power is the measure of their surrender. Do you know what God could do with you if you surrendered all of you? And I pray that as you come to Wheaton, you come like that with the posture of surrendering to God so that God could do with you what he desires to do in your life. Well, we've looked at the submission of Jesus. Let me give you a peek now at the service of Jesus. The Bible says in verse 7 that he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant or slave and coming in the likeness of men. Beloved, here we discover that when Christ came, he didn't pronounce himself in any glorious, spectacular way. No, he emptied himself. The Greek word there is a little word, it's called kenosis. It's the emptying, the complete abandoning of one who he is. And I don't believe this was easy for this was the word of God. The second member of the triune Godhead emptied himself and became a man and took the form of a slave. That's what we're going to challenge you with today. When you come in, we're going to empty you. We're going to push you. We're going to challenge you to give up your agenda for God's agenda. We're going to challenge you to embrace a higher call of service. Why? So that God could do phenomenal things in your life and show you supernatural things. We've looked at the submission of Jesus, the service of Jesus. I'll land the plane now showing you the sacrifice of Jesus. The Bible says in verse 8 that being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself. 
and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. When you come to this particular verse, you see Paul reflecting on the heavenly to the earthly and describing what was the motivating factor for Jesus doing that? Humility. He became our sacrifice. God is teaching us in this passage, beloved, on what it takes to be great in the kingdom. Humility. The story is told of the young man whose name was Abraham Benninger. Abraham was a young Swiss boy who came from Zurich, and he came with his parents following the ministry of John Wesley from Europe to America. And on the way, the story is told that his parents both tragically took ill and died on the journey. So when this young man arrives on the shores of North America, he's an orphan. He's trained up by other missionaries who begin to pour into his life, finally growing into manhood. He began to have this insatiable thirst for reaching people with the gospel. And he heard about a group of people who lived on the island of St. Thomas. Now, they were sold into slavery and did not have access to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Do you know what Abraham did? The story says he wrote a letter to the governor and he asked the governor for permission to give up his rights that he might become a slave in order to preach the gospel to the slaves. The governor was so moved, he sent Abraham's letter to the king of Denmark. The king of Denmark was so moved, he wrote an edict and said, not only can Abraham preach to those who are enslaved, but he can preach to anybody, anywhere, at any time who has a desire to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Why did I tell you that story? That's the kind of sacrifice God is calling us to give. You see, we are just pilgrims passing through this land. Earth, we're here for a season. But we have been called to be ambassadors for Christ. We have been called to be bond servants of Christ, to reach those who are in servitude and slavery to sin. That's the mission we are on. And God wants to know today, how much will you sacrifice? How much will you surrender? How can he use your discipline in the sciences, in the liberal arts, in the English, in the languages? What could God do with you if you surrender yourself with him? Well, thank you for giving me a few moments in this devotional thought. That Bible text is interesting. I know you've read it. It goes on to say, therefore, yes, God has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. Why did God exalt him? Because Jesus did all those other things. And therefore, because of what he did, God has highly exalted him and given him a name that's above every name. Do you know there's no name like the name of Jesus? I'm hunting for some good Christians out there now. Anybody know there's no other name in the earth like Jesus? And then he gives you some more accolades to his vita. Here it is right here. He says uh, that at the name of Jesus, every knee. Now in the South, in Alabama, we say airy, airy, 
every knee is going to bow in three locations. Those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. That means the devil is going to bow. And I'm going to be there to see it. Hallelujah. And then he says in every tongue, every language, every tribe is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Welcome to the world's greatest school.